Welcome to Connecting Hearts. Connecting hearts of women to resources, information, and to one another. Presented by Creative Heart Studios, 18 Perry Street and Noon. Now here's your host, Margie Conway. Hi, I am Margie Conway and this is the Connecting Hearts Network program. We're coming from the Creative Heart Studio and today I have some guests with me from Affinis Hospice. I have Charla Neely, who is the RN Clinical Supervisor, and Meredith Greer, who is the Volunteer Coordinator. Um, I was introduced to Meredith about a week or so ago, and I thought this would be a good message and a good team to bring on, um, ju- just to help you know navigate some of those tro- troubling times of lives that we have trouble navigating. So, good morning, ladies. How are you doing? Doing good. Good morning. Doing pretty all right. Thanks. We're glad that you're here with us. Um, we have a practice here when there's more than one of us. If one's talking and someone else feels like they want to, we just kind of raise our hand a little bit. That way we keep some order to it. So um, one of you step in and tell us about Affinis Hospice. Hmm. Well, Affinis is a small hospice located here in Noonan, Georgia, mm-hmm. but we have other offices throughout Georgia, Macon, Gray, Georgia, Barnesville. Um our census in Noonan, we have about 45 patients or so now, some in nursing homes, some in assisted living, some in their own private homes. Okay. And we just go in and provide, they term hospice as end of life care, but it's really more just coming in, in even in the last years of life, because we've right. had patients on hospice for three, four, five plus years. If you right. have a life limiting illness, hospice no longer works the way it used to. Somebody said, oh my God, such and such is on hospice. Right. And you're like, they're going to die within like three days. It's so not like that now. Hospice affords families the ability to keep their loved one at home. Right. We send in a certified nursing assistant five days a week to bathe patients. We send in our licensed registered nurses two times a week to assess the patient's physical symptoms, you know, pain, agitation, all those right. things. And then we have lovely people like Meredith who come in and volunteer their time by reading, mm-hmm. singing, doing artwork, painting nails, whatever that extra TLC is that that patient and family might need at that time. She can also provide respite care. The caregiver needs to just say, I want to take a walk for two hours to get a break. Right. From that, then Meredith is able to do that. And we also add things like chaplain services. So their spiritual care is taken care of, even social needs like Meals on Wheels, helping to prepare things like advanced directives and wills and pre-planning for funerals and all those sorts of things. So hospice is one of those things where it gets a bad rap, but it's really a beautiful and amazing thing to do if you find that your loved one or friend or someone needs it right well i had an aunt who whose heart was with seniors and she was a senior caregiver the majority of her life and she was so very good at it um that she invited me in to try it at a transitional period and and i discovered very quickly it was not for me um it it broke my heart to see seniors you know a lot of them with memory problems where they were now versus then Um, So it takes a very special heart to be able to deal with people, and especially at the end of life. Yeah, it definitely, for me, when I felt like God was calling me to be a hospice Mm -hmm. nurse, I was like, God, you got to be kidding. No, I'm doing labor and delivery, beginning of life. Like, no, we're not doing that. And God's like, you want a bit? Well, that's a big change, too, from the beginning to the ending of life. Yeah, yeah, but watching my mother, um, she had a stroke. And she had some mild dementia, but that stroke sped up her dementia oh, absolutely. by 20 times. And my mom was a nurse, and she said, hey, before she got to her advanced stage of dementia, here's my advanced directives, and you're going to do this. And I'm like, mom, you really should have my sister who's four years older and your right. oldest child to do this. She said, no, because every one of my children is going to act off emotion and heartbreak and they're not going to do what I want and you're going to do it or I'm going to come back and haunt you. Hey, where's the paperwork? (laughs) Oh, let's get signing. We have kind of done that with our children because I have, um, we're a blended family Mm -hmm. and and my son's the oldest and then I have my daughter and then we have a younger son, two younger sons 
and the the daughter is not they're all going to be extremely emotional and we know that but we know that the two sons who are nearby that would you know you might put that on especially the oldest we know the two of them will not be able to handle anything and we know the daughter is emotional but she also is the most practical one and she has her steadfast husband right behind her that will help her do whatever needs to be done so when we put ours together over the last several months um, we have made her, you know, our power of attorney and, and the one in charge of everything. And and so it, it's not necessarily the oldest. It's like my husband's uh, dad passed in November. Um, they made his youngest sister the, the I can't even think of the word now. But power she's, of attorney. Well, she's the one handling the wheel. Executor, mm -hmm. that's it. Yeah. I've been camping, guys. My brain is half asleep. <laughs> made her the executor but the reason they chose to do that is because she lived out in the small town of texas where they lived at while all the others live out here on the east coast um so it, it's a big difference all right you mentioned that you used to be in labor delivery mm -hmm. and through your mom god called you to this you want to tell us a little bit more about that journey so i just you know i'm I'll be 54 in August. I finished nursing school at 50. Okay. So I kind of, while I was in nursing school, I used to just volunteer mm -hmm. just to see, I don't know what kind of nurse I want to be. I've been in healthcare since I was probably 23 years old, nursing assistant, surgical tech. And I'm like, I love what I do. I can't see walking away from healthcare, right. so I might as well just take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. So once my kids were out of high school, halfway done with college, I said, now is my time. Right. So I took one class here, two classes here, four classes there until I finished it up. And I said, okay, well, I've worked in a doctor's office in labor and delivery for 15 years. I can walk right out of nursing school and into the right. hospital, and here we go, And which is what I did. Stayed at the bedside for probably seven months, and then my mom became ill. Wow. So when, you know, Piedmont Fayette is where she mm -hmm. was, and it's where I was working, and the palliative care nurse practitioner came, and she sat and talked with me. She said, here's where your mother is. The reality is it's not going to get a whole lot better. Right. You can give her this beautiful gift of, you know, you get this time with her, and it was right smack in the middle of COVID, so that was mm, not, you know, fun. Right. Um, so I said, okay, and I knew I couldn't, which my mom did not want me to stop working because right. I was fresh out of nursing school, right. a brand new baby nurse. She said, no, nope, you can put me in a nursing home or an assisted living or somewhere where you don't have to have the burden. But it wasn't a burden to me. Right. It was like, you only get one mother. So right. I put her in an assisted living facility, which allowed her to decline in place since she was bed bound. Right. We did all the things, you know, the advanced directives, the executor of the estate, like everything and got it all together. And it was such an amazing journey and such a sad one when you have someone with Alzheimer's and dementia because right. you watch that person kind of mm -hmm. leave the world right. and just go inside themselves. But to see, and I have families who have a difficult time accepting the diagnosis and they're like no there are things you know we can do and but once you get them to the place where they understand or sometimes it actually takes them being at the bedside and watching right. the suffering before they'll give you permission to say okay I just right. want my person to be comfortable and peaceful whatever you have to do just and you know because like I said, hospice gets this bad rap. You're going to come in and kill my person. And that's oh, absolutely. Not, yeah, I and that's not, that. you know, not right. what we do. They say, you're going to stop feeding them. And I'm like, no, oftentimes expensive medications that families can't pay for. You sign your loved one up, hospice comes in and pays for everything. That's right. It, it's um, Now, I've been through hospice with two family members with me as caregiver. And one was my grandmother. Mm -hmm. um, she had advanced Alzheimer's. Um, that was a struggle in itself because my dad was the only child. I was the only child. So there was me and my dad was gone. And then there was her sister and her nieces and nephews who did not agree with anything that I chose to do. Um, but I did what she and I had talked about doing um, when they had put her on a ventilator after they resuscitated her when they were not supposed to. Um, I left her on the ventilator until they said there's no hope and then i had her taken off the ventilator at which point i was accused of trying to kill her for her insurance money <laughs> And and with Alzheimer's, what had happened is she did have some insurance, but you know it goes down at 70 and down at 80. Mm -hmm. But she had many insurance 
offers that would come in the mail and she had written my name on them, opened this immediately and put them under her mattress. And then she had told them, I have this much in insurance, but really it was offers. She didn't. She had enough to bury her. That was it. But it, it was, that was a very tough time for our family in there trying to take care of that. And she didn't have all of her things written down. It was just what we had talked about. And so I am the one that had to make the tough decisions. And I am the one that got all the family drama about making them. But um, I was at peace because I knew that's what she wanted. Mm -hmm. You know, all she wanted to do was before she died, get back into her blue jeans. One day I like broke both of our necks, but I got her in her blue jeans. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. <laughs> okay, yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's... and and because that was my grandma. I mean, she was my rock growing up. Yeah, so right, so I took care of my grandma. Yeah. Um, but then I didn't think anything else about it for a little while. And my aunt, who was my other rock, um, can, was diagnosed with cancer. And my grandmother was in hospice. She was in a facility. I would see the hospice worker. This was 10, 12 years ago. I would see the hospice worker in passing where they would come in and check when and sit there while I went and ate lunch um, because we were there and it was at the very end. Mm-hmm. But I remember the woman's compassion and I, I stated to her, I don't know how you did this because I was really struggling. And she stated to me that it was a privilege to be able to honor, uh, escort God's saints into their eternal rest. Mm-hmm. And I had never looked at it that way. Yeah. 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 So, therefore, I, my aunt became ill, and I became her caregiver because she never had children or anything. And we went through four rough years because she was one of these that took every treatment trying to. Mm. But after the first surgery, they said hospice. And she's like, no, you know, because she thought, and that's yeah. when they educated me about it. But it took me several months to get her to come around. Mm-hmm. And so for three years, she was there on hospice. And I don't know what we would have done without them. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely people celebrate, you know, having babies, which right. is great, the beginning of life. But I think that the end of life deserves celebration, too. Absolutely. It just really mm-hmm. is amazing. And it does bring about a lot of family conflict if right. you don't have those last minute things in order but then hospice it just is such a beautiful like collaboration like people like Meredith who get to see patients sometimes in an entirely different light they may Mm -hmm. share things with her that they haven't shared with the nurse or haven't shared with the nursing assistant and if Meredith thinks it warrants concern she'll come back and say hey I think this person could probably use some spiritual counseling or hey these people have ABC going on. Maybe our social worker can find them, you know, resources when otherwise these people wouldn't have even You're known right. these things mm-hmm. existed. And it overall adds to their quality of life right there at that end time. You're you're right. Um, it, it most mm-hmm. definitely does. And like you mentioned before, the expensive medications, hospice, take it up. It did with Brenda. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it I did use a respite center one time mm-hmm. and and it was a good thing I did because, you know, I was near and breaking point. But I remember at the hospital, they would tell me, because she was in and out of the hospital a lot, they would tell me, you are so good at this. You should consider becoming a nurse. And I'm like, I love her. <laughs> I can do anything for her. I don't think I would be good at it for anybody else. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the thing is, is that, you know, we we talk about hospice in terms of, Oh, only special people can do that. And I don't think that it's it's necessarily special people doing special things and like okay, sure we're we're specialized. Right. But I I just think that our paths take us there and it's just as much as, you know, and I think as as a performer, people, "Oh, you've got so much talent." I'm like, "Sure." But, you know, oh, that's artistic. Like, so you're saying you're not. I get you're an IT worker, but there's an art to your technology that just blows my mind. So we all have these different paths and different things that lead us to, and I know I say this a lot, and I say it it sounds really cheesy. Like our our motto for a fitness is adding life to, you know, adding life to each day. Adding more to life each day. Adding more to life each day. And we do. And I think that's it's not just an honor to do so. It's an absolute joy right. to be able to bring other people joy at the end of their lives. You know, like 
bringing someone balloons and a card for their birthday. And it's not just like the volunteer staff doing it, not just us, but it's also, you know, the nurses sign it. And, right. you know, where when someone when someone dies, we all sign the card that comes right. from bereavement services. And, and, I and still that's carried on until yeah. 13 months later and then sometimes longer if they need right. it. So we we provide like a really amazing holistic care for everything that you need at the end of life as if you're still really and truly living life. And that's what we try to do. Well, you bring a team of professionals that knows what to do and volunteers mm-hmm. that comes in to enhance that person's life. I mean, that's kind of what we do here with the women that we serve is we're trying to make sure every day that they have can add some more peace and joy to mm-hmm. it, you know, Absolutely. with what we do. And so it it's more, I remember talking with Christy, um, who who does insurance and is affiliated with the funeral home, that um, it's a re-education of people. You want to teach them, you know, that there's nothing wrong with death and dying to celebrate it, to still have life till you Mm -hmm. get there, and then celebrate the life that was there. And I know that's their mission here at Hillcrest, is to educate people about the procedure. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that, uh, Meredith, when we talked, you said you came to hospice through death doula training. Yes. Tell us a little bit about that. So, um... A friend of mine knew that I was very much about the end-of-life care and kind of tried it from so many different avenues that just didn't work. I thought, oh, well, maybe I'll be a funeral director. And I'm like, I went to an open house for one of the big sort of corporation-y things. I'm like, oh, too corporate, too unfeeling. I, I'm right. out. I'm out. And then a lot of times they're very familial, you mm-hmm. know, the... And they, you know, no outsiders, nobody knew. I'm like, I can't, I'm weird. I can't. So I, I pride myself in being weird. So weird is a gift. Weird I is good. Embrace it. Yes. So I, you know, thought, okay, well, I was working at a special effects shop and I'm like, hmm, what if I just did mortuary makeup and we had a funeral director that mm-hmm. would come in and we would chat about things. And then I would help some of the effects artists like, so, hey, do you know, um, you know, and I know this is probably a bit much for some folks, trigger warning. Do you know what a body looks like after X hours or X days? What's the, you know, I'm like, um, I think I do, but let's look that up. So, you know, I would Google things and I still don't, this is just not the right thing. Right. And so a friend of mine said, hey, so we're doing this non-profit thing do you want to how do you feel about going to mortuary school how do you feel about that I'm like no that's just too corporate and I just and then she's my best friend so she knows me incredibly well how do you feel about death doula school and I was like oh you just because another friend I had watched his journey right through death doula school I'm like hmm maybe this is it and she goes do a little research get back to me and I'm like oh I love research. Let's just go down this rabbit hole. And I went down the rabbit hole, and there's an amazing school um, called Going With Grace that's mm-hmm. headed up by this, uh, wow, incredible black woman who is a lawyer. Her name is Elua Arthur, and, like, she's my idol, and just, she's amazing. Um, and she created this course after going to death doula school, and this school, which is such a community, like, after you graduate while you're a student, they have a Facebook group and, mm-hmm. you know, you, it's a continual learning process. So I got the first scholarship from my friend's organization to do that. She's like, okay, now run with it for our community. And we're like, yes. Oh, I need 10 hours of, of hospice volunteer work. Where shall I go? Oh, look, one of my friends, Caleb is a CNA. Yeah. And Caleb's like, come down to Noonan to do your work. I'm like, Go to Noonan to do my work. You will love our staff. I will love your staff. Come, coming. And then I started doing it and like kept on going for over a year. And then the job came open and I'm like, but I love it here. <laughs> so I just... Well, and I got in the ring, and here I am working with the amazing Sharla and the rest of our family team. Well, and... and... Meredith is one that makes me wish we were doing video because she is. She mentioned that she was was a performer and she is very expressive and entertaining to listen to. 
Um, so I wish we did video, but the best <laughs> I can give you at this point is we will take a picture afterwards and post it for you. Um, you mentioned it. I've only been aware of Death Doula for mm -hmm. the last year through someone else mm -hmm. I know. Um, I'd never even heard of it. Now, a birth doula helps them get ready for the baby to be born. Right. Right, and everybody knows what that is. Mm -hmm. Death doula is is it's not new. No, it's not really new. There there are so many cultures that have had people usher folks or walk with folks like through the dying process right. and death and then after. But they're also there for the family. And it's not um a lot of people think it's just sitting at the bedside with the right. dying person, but you're you're not. What you're doing is you're kind of a guide for that person and their family. And it kind of goes hand in hand with my my hospice work. Right. So what you're doing is that you're guiding this person through all of the processes. You're you know you're not an attorney, but you're telling them, giving them all of these resources. So you're like a little bit of a social worker. You're a little bit of a volunteer coordinator. You're a mm -hmm. little bit of this. You're a little bit of that. And you bring all these things together, and you help guide you know those people toward the end of their life. Most people, like they do with hospice, call us at the last minute and like, oh my gosh, right. they're on their deathbed. It's like, okay, before we, you know, have everything go squirrely, what we're going to do is we're going to take a breath. Right. You're just going to sit for a minute. You don't have to rush. Just here's what you need to do. Here's the paperwork. Do you have a pulse form? Do you have an advanced care directive? Do you have a living will? Do you have trust? Right. What are the things that you need? And can we go ahead and do this ahead of time? I would love to do this with hospice for people to go, hey, why don't we just go check out a facility? Why don't we just go check out, you know, a facility that has hospice care? Why don't we right. just go and see you know, one of the, you know, the hospice folks or groups that go and businesses that go into these long-term care facilities mm -hmm. and check them out before we have to make these decisions. Absolutely. Um, and I'm, I'm a big advocate for doing it before you have to make the decision because of dealing with my grandmothers that way. Um, when my aunts came up, I, I sent my aunt and my mom down and I said, these are advanced care directives and these are end of life forms and we will sit here and go through these forms. And they were like, oh, no, I don't even want to think of that. But I knew from going through the process myself that it would be mm -hmm. easier on me and them and take some of the stress out if we already had it down. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many families and it's so unfortunate or people who say, oh, no, we're not going to do hospice. We've heard such bad things that are in the end. <clears throat> when they're at a nursing home or at home and they're watching their person have all this pain or all this agitation and all the suffering that can come right. with end of life just from the body's systems actually shutting down. Mm -hmm. Then they want to call us in, you know, at the last minute. And it's like, and this could be a family we've been trying to just work with for months right. on end. And they're like, no, 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 no. We're gonna. And mm -hmm. then at the end, they're like, can you help us now? And it's like, it's not a whole lot we can do now because we need time to order medication. Right, right. We need time to get all these things in place. So the hospice is definitely something, you know, if you know, you know, you have heart disease. There's right. going to be a point more than likely you're going to die with that heart disease. It's mm -hmm. going to progress, you know, as you get older and as you go to the doctor more and more and you ask your doctor, you know, you advocate for yourself and say, at what point? Do you think I might need end of life services or hospice? I want to know about that. Can you plug me into somebody who right. may know about that? And then you're educated and you're well prepared because if it can be such a phenomenal experience. And I found with my own story, you know, before my mom died, it's easy to say to somebody who you're pronouncing their mom. I'm so sorry for your loss. My condolences. Right. But when you've been in that, you can empathize and sympathize. Absolutely. And when you say, yeah. I know exactly how you feel, you right. really know exactly how they feel. Right. So I always feel like, I don't know if it was my grandmother or my mother, somebody told me, everything you go through is never really for you. Somebody's going to come behind you and uh -huh. need whatever that yeah. thing well, is. Well, and that's Absolutely. what I teach the ladies here. And even in the Bible, it says to comfort others yeah. with what you've been comforted with. And and so, you know, we do go through things so that we can use it to help other people. Every person's yeah. mother I pronounce is like deja vu. Mm -hmm. It yeah. brings me back to, you know, being at the bedside. So I am able to share those very 
real experiences with them. And when they, they see that you can relate, they kind of let their guard down and you're right. able to help them get to a place where they may not have otherwise gotten to. So it's for mm-hmm. me, it has been when they say God knows what's best for you. I'm like, Lord, you, you nailed it this time because yeah. it really I have not done anything that has been so rewarding. And you know how I see obituaries and it has the mm-hmm. year of de- birth and the year of death at the, at the end and that dash in between. I want my dash to mean something. Right. Mm-hmm. So for yeah. me. Hospice nursing makes my dash mean something. That's good because when Mm -hmm. you have found your purpose through the journey that you've had, it makes a huge difference. And I want to applaud you on behalf of women for going back after your kids were gone and getting your degree (laughs) and pursuing what your passion was. It is hard. It is hard. hard, But I would do it to end up where I am now. So few people you know, live their life walking in something they absolutely love to do. A lot of people will say, I hate my job, but I do it because of the money Mm -hmm. or the convenience or the benefits or the whatever. And then you end up dying with so much purpose Mm -hmm. in you. I tell my husband, I've been married, I think three months now? Yeah. Four months? I don't know. And I tell him, I said, I want (laughs) to leave this earth empty. Every gift God gave me, I want it out. Every talent, I want it out, out, out. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I get that now. At first, he was like, what do you mean empty? And I'm like, I don't want to take anything with me. Like, he put me here for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And everything he gave me. I want to use it, you know, yeah, for, for other people. So, yeah, yeah I love, I mean. It I enriches your be, life. It does. When and you I do could that. not, I don't think I could at this point be any other kind of nurse. Like, Mm-mm. to think about it <laughs> makes me miserable. Like, go back in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, don't think so. No. Yeah, this is to be able to just educate a family or even the ministry of just presence. Sometimes, right. you know how we often feel like, I don't know what to say. Sometimes not saying anything. You're just there. Right. And you just, you know, that, wow. Just a simple touch for someone can be so amazing. We have um, a dementia patient that I see, and she is, um, she does have some tendencies to get violent and act out. But for some reason, when I put a hand on her or I'm near her, she just seems to be, and I'm, cannot tell you how fortunate I feel to to be in this position for her which also comforts her husband right like I'll call and say hey xyz you having today I heard that she had a rough day I said when I came in she seemed you know distressed a little paranoid we you know I spoke with her I put a hand on her she reached out to me everything was cool yeah Oh, it does mean a lot. Being able to, especially with someone having that degree of paranoia, that degree of dementia, I'm like, wow, okay. She's very specific about her spirits, and I used to manage her case. I never had issues with her, you know, Mm -mm. but, yeah, she's very, you know, and people... Everybody's not meant to be a caregiver. Oh, and no. when you go into these facilities, these long ter- long care, long term care right. nursing homes and you see some of the people that work there, you're like, <clears throat> You need to be behind somebody's copier, making right. copiers and not touching these people because mm. you know, when they when they agitate them right. and the person gets out of hand, it's like, Oh my god, I don't know what I did, da da da. Mm-hmm. But clearly when they walk in the room the person just goes Oh, yes. I encountered one or two like that when I was dealing with my grandmother. So, you know, something has transpired with with that. And it's very hard to bring a person back after that. But it's like this particular patient has very, you can tell when something has happened in her world that is unsettling because it does take some really, and sometimes it's just a matter of, let's just. Yeah, and then she's good. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, it's it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, getting to do what we do. Um, like I don't know. Try just it's this is a late in life career change for mm-hmm. me. So this has all happened within the span of maybe two years. So I was around fifty fifty one when this started. And, and see that that's a whole other show that we could do because <laughs> it, it, it's well it, it's I'm 57 and and in 2000 
16 is when I started the journey that ended me up here. And um, but I, the difference in me in, in knowing I'm living out my purpose and being able to help people. And I know that I'm effective. I mean, I knew I was a good teacher and I knew I was effective as a church secretary. But doing what I do now is my purpose and I can see it and I can see it change other people. But it also has made such a difference in me that my husband knows this is what I should be doing. And where he used to be concerned about every nickel and everything, it doesn't bother him that mm -mm. I'm a for-profit that makes no profit because I give all my services away, <laughs> but I don't want to go non-profit yeah, because I want to yeah. keep protected. And it, it, it makes a difference in the people around you yeah. that you're mm, connected absolutely. to when you're able to live in the purpose that, that yeah. you have. And a lot of times, I remember sitting back a long time, my grandmother that I mentioned before, that woman was a mover and a shaker. She got things done. And I I used to think if, you know, because I was saved as, as, at an early age, and I used to look at her and I was would think if she would turn her talents for good, <laughs> she could really, <laughs> really be effective. Yeah. Right? And, and she didn't you know, take some of those steps um, until she was way in her 70s and then Alzheimer's got a hold of her pretty bad. So you didn't get to see the effect in there. But I was talking actually with my pastor last week and I was like, I know I was effective at those things, but it took me to the point I was at when I was 51, 52, that I was ready to be healed and to be moved and to move to another state of being. Mm -hmm. um, I have... All kinds of women that come in here, they're they're in their 50s or they're in their early 60s, and they're like, I'm in a different life stage, and my life is changing, and I didn't expect this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So even us in our 50s can make a change <laughs> for good and get a lot accomplished and do a lot. Mm -hmm. And when you start studying, it's actually when you get to our point that we do start becoming more effective. And I think maybe, you know, we... We learn more. We have experience behind us. We trust a little bit more, and we we are a little more sure of the path we're on than we mm -hmm. were back then. So it makes a huge difference when you do that change. Yeah, I find our discernment is very keen. Yes, fifty some kind of light, forty a light bulb comes on, but boy, the yeah. floodlights come on at fifty. That's true. It's like yeah. you things are just illuminated. You know way sooner if something's for you right than having to say i need to think about this for a couple of weeks no it's usually within the first 30 seconds hey right. this ain't gonna work like it's, it's just not mm -hmm. so 50 for me it's a beautiful space to be yeah. in it's like and i'd always say lord i want my latter days to be my better days and mm -hmm. he has so faithfully answered that prayer i mean i have a beautiful marriage an amazing husband work that i just don't know how to cut off. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't. I talk but at some point when you get to the work, it, it it's your life. It's who you are. It you is. don't really have to cut it off. Yeah, yeah. and it just, and my husband's like, God, babe, you never, and I say, yeah, this is just who I am. He said, yeah, yeah that's who I married. He's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. it's 1040 at night. I'm like, well, your pain doesn't know a time. Like, it just right. doesn't. I said, you know from having, he lost his mother, I think, eight months before I lost mine. Yeah. So I said, you know, pain has no time. It can be right. three o'clock in the morning mm -hmm. when that, when the phone calls and the text messages stop and all the hams and the fried chicken and the macaroni yeah. and cheese mm -hmm. from the repast and the nosy onlookers, who, yes. the whisperers, how'd she die? how this happen? What oh, did, yeah. you know, all those things. Right. When all of the noise is gone and you're left with your thoughts and your memories, those are some of the hardest times. And so I say mm -hmm. to my That's patients, true. they feel like, Oh my God, when my person's gone, that means that I have to like stop reaching out to you. And I have people who, <sighs> oh my God, from like six years ago are still, when yeah. I was volunteering, yeah. still calling and texting saying, hey, how are you? And are well, you fine? You know, you become an important mm -hmm. person in their life. Yeah. You, you were there during one of the toughest things that they've gone through. So, so of course there's going to be an attachment in yeah. there. Um, it, it's, like I said, you know, hospice, going through hospice with my Aunt Brenda as opposed to the way it was with my grandmother was just a totally different experience. Yeah. And and she would not have been able to experience as, as well as she had and done as well as she had without it. But I would not have been because I, I'm not 
an emotional person. I never really had been sentimental, emotional. Um, and I think God made me that way for my own survival mm-hmm. with things I've been through. But it's with her I was mm-hmm. because she meant so much to me and I didn't know how to let go of her. I mean, she was the one person in our family when she passed. We couldn't even mention her name for months or mm-hmm. all of us would cry. Mm-hmm. And so having that person reach out to us and being able to call and talk to somebody, you know, that had been there um, meant an awful lot. And for me, work is our work is really pivotal, especially the team effort of it when we get and it's very few and far between with patients who their family or their adult children say, you only have to call me to update about my family member once Mm. they're gone. So you put them in this nursing home and they're here looking at these four walls, you know, all day long. And then the nursing center may call the fitness and say, we have a patient who's declining. We want to, you know, refer them for hospice services. Mm -hmm. We've already talked to their son or daughter. They're like, whatever, send them the paperwork Mm -hmm. and they'll sign it. And so we'll reach out. We'll talk to them. And a lot of times they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just send me the paperwork. They sign it and they're like. A, don't call me unless right. I know you. So it allows us to go in and like be their family. Right, because and there's so like many the that only, need it. Only people that they, and then mm-hmm. the weird thing happens, they get better. They get yeah. to the yeah. point where they start eating more. They start, and it's not the, so there's a period called a rally. Right. Which mm. offers, you know, families, they're like, <gasps> They're talking. They make sense. They're asking for things. They're eating. I remember that. Oh, my God. Let's take them off of hospice and do all the things. And then you have to educate on. No, these are not all the things. This is actually a last minute gift that your loved one is giving you, letting you know, I'm about to go take this walk. And it has been beautiful. And I want to thank you for the Mm -hmm. part you played in my life. But I wanted you to see me in this beautiful state before I say goodbye. Yeah, a lot of times people don't hear about the rally and talk when you're wanting to educate about the end of life this is one of the things that you know i don't think i heard until i got on with a that was a part of it like you know my mom was a respiratory therapist so she saw people in you know intensive care icu and she didn't know that she just saw them right then so they either went to a regular room right or they died mm-hmm. and she never knew mm-hmm. so but she never told me about anything like a rally caleb told me about a rally and i'm like oh and i remember the first time that i thought i experienced mm-hmm. one and i was like oh and while i'm sitting there I'm like hey send a text i think i'm getting a rally from a patient he's like just go with it yeah like, and a okay. rally you know it can last anywhere from two hours to two weeks right you know, it's it's amazing but for the people who get it's not a rally and they're just i'm better because i feel somebody cares about me i've decided i'm gonna eat Mm -hmm. where i haven't eaten in seven days i've decided i'm gonna drink water i've decided i'm gonna draw and color and read and do all the things but then you say to them hey you know your hospice care works so well we need to discharge yeah, you oh. because you're well. Like oh, it, no. Yeah, so then hard. it comes that's to, hard. well, guess what? The patient. I'm going to decline again because it's like my family's leaving me. Yeah. So right. they make a conscious effort to decline to the point where they're smart enough to stay at a certain level of decline. And these are the people who stay on for years and yeah. years and years because they're bad enough to be appropriate. Mm-hmm. But well enough to not journey to the next until they've played the game for so long yeah. that their body is like, we're not yeah. playing this game anymore. We're going to really decline. But it's so sad when, you know, you get those instances where mm-hmm. you're actually, it's sad and it's a happy, you know, because we can come in and be even, you know, with the chaplain who this person may not have known, you know, the Lord. Mm-hmm. He can come in and say, well, do you know, you know, he can witness to them and help them find their the spiritual level right. of themselves and then if mm-hmm. there are social needs like when these people leave their families and say don't call me until they die they often leave them with no clothes no socks no right nothing. Mm-hmm. so our social worker can go you know to community agencies and say i got this person we need these clothes we need abc and then of course the fitness provides you know, diapers, briefs, wipes, shampoo, like yep. all of yeah. the essential things and even the clothing. And so this person, I got somebody who cares about me. This is great. Yeah. And we're able to 
add to that quality of life again. So hospice is so, so different than what it used to yes, be. Yes, it is. So different. So I'm glad that I made the decision to, after the Lord told me I was going to do it, be a hospice nurse. Oh, it yeah. has been the best thing, mm-hmm. I have to say. I, I can't imagine doing anything else. And, and I'm sure with that, on your heart the way that that is um you make a huge difference in the lives of people oh when i go on visits i hear about charla (laughs) and i wish she'd come back (laughs) oh yeah yeah. well i mean that's you know that's kind of the thing like charla's moving up into clinical supervisor is not always able to go out as often so you have to see everybody in that position so that's very challenging it's really challenging so you don't always get to see the people that you were taking care of you know in a in a more regular rotation like just as being an rn so i get the occasion please tell charlotte we said hi we miss it's like okay i got don't worry i will pass on that message all right i want to ask you (laughs) ladies a question okay you take care of all of these people as your profession that's what you do how do you take care of yourself (laughs) failure compassion fatigue how do you take care of yourself that is one thing that i am learning myself we have to we're feeding others we have to be fed we have to take care of ourselves we have to be nurtured to be able to nurture others uh, I would say that a lot of, for me, I can't say for Charla or anybody else, like the ability to bring someone a moment of joy, mm-hmm. that actually circles back and gives me so much, It's like, it just replenishes. Like, I made so-and-so laugh a couple times today. Goal! I'm on up for the rest of the day because... Just being able to give someone that joy. And mm-hmm. you were somehow allowed to do that by the family. Just that's kind of what brings it back. You know, like we did this party and mm-hmm. for them and they love the balloons and the things. And, you know, you sang this little song and they did the stuff. And that's like that's what kind of charges me back. But I guess, you know, for other things. My end of paperwork is what's really tiring, <laughs> having to do all this and I'll go home and fuss about the paperwork. Um, and I guess really that's like being able to go out and dance and talk with certain people mm-hmm. about what you do with other caregivers. Like within right. the community that you're in, you get a much, I'll come over and sit in Charla's office and go, can I come vent for a minute? And then that's just, you know. Oh, yeah. And even our... our um, um, admin assistant Nakia is just mm-hmm. we're like we're lucky that we have such a great family team that right. we can talk with each other and provide that momentary respite and care um within that and then I think we just have our own little communities and bubbles where we mm-hmm. can just kind of for me I learned late on that you can't <clears throat> pour from an from an right. empty cup <laughs> so my relief I love music Mm. Um, I, ch- you know, music on the way. I live an hour and twenty minutes away. One way I live in Covington, so music on the way, audio books to just mm-hmm. kind of help me kind of whew, take a deep breath. Right. And writing, I journal. That's good. Mm-hmm. Um, just saying, Lord, you know, this was hard. This was a hard day. Like I don't, and and being able to openly. Admit to God, myself, my husband, I don't have all the answers. And I even say to patients, I'm so transparent. And I tell them going in, hey, I don't know if you're going to like my style of nursing, but I am straight up no chaser. Right. We are not coming in here with this false hope. We are going to I'm going to assess because our job is to go in and to assess the person before we sign them up to see if they're Mm -hmm. appropriate. You know, because unfortunately, you do have people who they know. Oh, we can get this kind of drug or this kind of right. drug. We should yep. sign up for hospice so we can get, you know. But we have those moments where, you know, people, the hospital will consult us and say, hey, I got this, this, and that. And so we go in and we, you know, and the family will be there and they're looking at me. And often they're 
99 times out of 100, the golden question is, so how long do you think? Yes, And right. I say, honey, if I had the answer to <laughs> right. that, do you know how many people would be rich? There would be no hungry people in the world. There would be right. no starving and no suffering because I'd own all the money and all the lotto tickets, and this is what would happen. I don't have that answer. That's right. a God uh-uh. thing. What I can tell you from my professional perspective, your loved one has ABC. These are the stages of this disease. This is where the physician is telling me your loved one is. These are, this is what their lab work looks like. This is what their x-rays or MRIs or whatever looks like. Right. This is the stage I feel like they're at. And just with background, it's usually mm, six weeks. Yeah. But I can't guarantee. No. But I have some families who say, thank you for being honest. We haven't been able right. to get a straight answer since this whole right. thing has That's been going true. on. Then you get the other ones who are like, because they don't want to. But my mom's only 65. But da, 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 da. But then you have to acknowledge, okay, so your mom had you know, diabetes or heart right. disease. Your mom continued to smoke, to right. drink, to not... Mm-hmm. practice that self-care so here's where we are and all of that takes its toll in the background you know mm-hmm. you're going on with your life thinking everything is fine ignoring those signs and symptoms mm-hmm. but I've also learned to set boundaries for self-care that is extremely I important I have learned to set some boundaries and say okay I when I got married in December said I know I'm going to be off these 10 days for my wedding and my honeymoon. I will not do any hospice work. I will not take any phone calls. And I was good for like four days. <laughs> I was good. I was good. I was good. So I actually had four days out of the 10 of actually being able to separate from it. Mm-hmm. Like being in St. Right. Lucia and texting Amy, my right. boss, and saying, uh-huh. We got any new admissions? What's going on? And she's saying, aren't you in St. Lucia? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I'm hanging up the phone on you right now because this is a time you need to be, Mm-mm. right? you know, embracing this beautiful time in your life. And this is going to be here when you get back. Nobody's going to snatch it. It's going to be right here. So just take a deep breath, take in God's beauty and keep it moving. And we'll see you when you get back. Mm-hmm. And at that point, that's when I was kind of able those last four days to be like, it's really okay for me to take care of me. The world that's is hard. not gonna but it yeah. When that's you're hard. in the place where you're the person who is always, even in your family, right, work, whatever, your friends, because they my friends come to me and oh, say sh- I have a friend who's a hairstylist. Oh, I'm she sure says, they do, yeah. Oh yeah. One of my clients, her mom is doing ABC and they're trying to get her on hospice and she's like, No, 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 no. Can you can you and I'm like, Okay. And it usually ends up I'll talk to the friend and she'll say well, my mom's in Alabama, and I'm like, sorry, Ophinis is in Alabama. And they're like, oh. Yeah. So, and then I'll say to them, but there are so many great, you don't want to deny right. your loved one the, the privilege and the benefit yeah. of hospice if they really need it because you want it, the care to come from somebody specific. There yeah. are many great so many. hospice nurses. Yeah. Take advantage of that. So, yeah, self-care is saves my life. Uh, it has to, yes, because you you are in a business that will be draining if you do not feed yourself. Yeah. Yes, it is it is twenty four hour care, right? And though we have quote unquote office hours, I used to run a daycare center. <laughs> I had forty employees and over three hundred and something kids. That that is at the point right before I met the husband that I have now. We've been married 21 years. I loved running that daycare center, but okay. it was 24/7 and everything. You did not ever leave that job. And it's when um, then through things I, I stopped. People ask how I got rid of migraines. I quit my job and got divorced. <laughs> so this husband maximum self care. When we went, yes. <laughs> I don't recommend it for everybody, but it worked for me. When when I met this husband and we were getting married, somebody came at me with an offer to run their daycare center. And it was not as big as the one I'd ran. Didn't have as much going on on it. But I said no because I knew it was a 24-7 job, and I knew he would not understand that. It would not work for our marriage. 
Um, we have worked through the years now, and, and like I said, with me here doing what I do, um, I'm not necessarily here 24-7, but it's on my heart 24-7, and I'm texting one of the ladies or mm -hmm. something, you know, back and forth, that we have set um, our camping days. You know, I'm not a camper, but I'm learning to be. <laughs> and, and, and what I've said, we've gone twice, two, two times, and he's just now retiring, and so we have time to do these things. But what I have told people is, first of all, I love to sit there and look at the lake and the sky and admire the beauty that God has and the peace and quiet at this time in my life. I am eating it up. I love the peace and quiet, as long as the birds stay on their side of the yard. <laughs> and and But the thing that I'm enjoying the most out of it is the time with my husband. And like this morning, I just sat through the camper window and watched him outside fishing and at the lake. It's the mm. time he's getting and what it's doing for our relationship. So, you know, I couldn't do a job like run a daycare center or things in because it wouldn't work. But with what I do now, you know, I can do those few texts while I'm there. But mm -hmm. I'm able to, I've learned how to unplug a little bit so that I can mm -hmm. nurture myself yeah. in our relationship. And it yeah. took a lot to learn how to do that. Yeah. All right, we have a few more minutes sure. going on, and I know, Meredith, you are the volunteer coordinator, mm -hmm. and you are looking for volunteers. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have her flyer here. <laughs> we're going to be posting it everywhere, and we're going to be taking it around because we're pretty good at coming up with volunteers. Yeah, so, so what are you looking for? So if you uh, want to do it a little bit more quickly, I mean, we mm -hmm. do have a, a QR code on there, but... Yeah. To you know, if you're here in the area, Noonan and surrounding, please, please just you can call the office right. or directly email me at mgreer at affinishospice.org. Okay, I'm so happy to take emails. Um, so we're looking for people mainly just to hang out with folks, be their new best friends. Um, you know, if you've got extra talents like singing or cooking, or you know, it helps their families too. Yeah, our patients love to eat, they love oh, to eat. yeah. And I will tell you, some of them love to sing. Mm -hmm. uh, some of them really love just being serenaded or read to. I mean, we've got a couple of folks that um, I've discovered, like a book that I love that I've been reading to several of them. And it's just brought, I love this book before. I love it even more now. Okay. So, um, and y'all will probably find this really funny. It's uh, Ray Bradbury's Something Wicked This Way Comes. Oh, yeah. And though it sounds like it's full of spooky and you read it initially or you see the movie, which is right. superb. I've seen the movie. <laughs> by the way, um, what folks don't tend to focus on is the friendship between the two boys. Yeah. And the... Um, Will's father. So the relationship between Will and Jim, I think that that's what everybody focuses on and what Will thinks about his dad and his parents. Um, it's that the love in that book is just so amazing. And that's the whole, I think that's really the whole point of, of okay. the book. So yeah, just folks that like to be social, that just want to provide a little yeah, you don't have to have any special training. You just have no. to have a desire to make a difference. Yep. You'd be surprised with some of our little old ladies. I call them bookhead Bettys. Their hair <laughs> is yeah. like this beautiful stark white. Ooh. Just somebody coming in to paint their nails. Mm -hmm. I had yeah. a lady before she passed, 95 years old, and all she wanted mm -hmm. was somebody to paint her nails. And we had a chaplain, Charlene Smith, who... Um, isn't with us anymore, but she used to work for, I think it's something street. They had the street. Yeah. Where yeah. you put, and she would donate those mm -hmm. to us. And I would say, look, look at all these colors. And they would get oh. so excited and say, oh, yeah. I want the nails like my granddaughter has when she come. Can I have like a different color on each nail? And I'd be like, mm -hmm. you're doing too much, but okay. I got yeah. laugh at it. I got you. And they, you I mean the whole time mm -hmm. and then the facility will call and say, Miss So and So is acting like she's a one to one feed because she doesn't want her <laughs> nails messed up. She's been holding her nails out, looking at them and showing them to anybody. Mm -hmm. That little yeah something. That little bit. The, uh, it, the, well, I told you my grandmother mm -hmm. wanted her blue jeans on. Yeah. So well, well, you know, blue jeans, just, the little yeah. things, and for the women, mm -hmm. that dignity. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, at yeah. the end of life, yeah. can somebody just 
braid my hair or even the things I used to do in the field was, mm. you know, and I tell my CNAs, yeah. can you tell me what time you're going to see Miss So-and-so? We're going to give her a little mini spa day. Oh, yeah. yeah. And yeah. go in there with the bath and body work stuff and mm-hmm. they would just be and take them instead of the hospital or facility gown, actually take them a gown from Dollar right. General. It mm-hmm. might be $8, but it might be pink with big busy flowers. Oh, but yeah. hey, it's different than that plain old pa- and you put that on them you paint their nails. You put mm-hmm. Vaseline, just Vaseline right. on yeah, their lips. It does. And it just brings them back to a time. Yeah. And then you show them the mirror and I say, look at how beautiful you are. And then they're in tears saying somebody took the time because they can't go outside yeah, the facility. Right. Somebody mm-hmm. took the time to actually moisturize. Yeah. Okay. That's important. I remember the dignity. I remember yeah. that. My, my Aunt Brenda was one. Her nails and her lipstick all matched with her purse and her shoes. Mm-hmm. And so she could not stand those things. And the funny story I have about her is um, she was always the one that, that dyed her hair. She gray never showed. Her hair oh, was dyed. And and I have chosen to go gray over the last mm-hmm. couple of years. I think it's one of the best choices I have. But 99% of my friends said, oh, no, not me ever. And she <laughs> was one that never would have done that. And she was suffering with cancer and had strong chemo, and her hair fell out. So when her hair started growing back in, it all grew in white. It was probably already white, but she never <laughs> knew it. <laughs> And that shocked her. Yeah. But yeah. but I remember, you know, we used to, we learned all kinds of recipes for protein balls and shakes and different things to try to help her with nutrition because mm-hmm. she had a hard time eating. So I'm going to ask, you know, you've noticed we do the doTERRA oils here because I'm all about trying to do natural and support mm-hmm. the systems. If I have people come in and we make like little size small sugar scrubs and lotions and things like that to donate to you guys would that be helpful oh, yeah shoot yeah. I, oh I know gosh. women that will come in and help put that stuff together and i mean and you just be you. i'm telling you i'm talking about when this 95 year old lady it, i got in my car yeah. and cried because mm-hmm. i'm thinking i'm just going in here doing this little bitty something and she loved it she had dementia yeah. well she had COVID respiratory failure but then when oh, we started yeah. coming in and she got stable and she Jesus loved me repeatedly. Like we hadn't yeah. seen that 10 times before mm-hmm. I could get anything out of her. But after that, she would just be like, I remember time when I used to get my nails done every yeah. week faithfully, yeah. get my hair done. And I was like, I could paint your nails for you. And she said, would you? Yeah. Right. And I came in the next day and I said, how about we do like a little mini spa day? Yeah. Right. That changed her whole yeah. Well, we can easily get that together that to provide some things. There was a, one of the patients recently that I see weekly. They had, like, whacked her nails down, mm-hmm. and they were uneven, you and she had, and like, little edges. Them, yeah. she's usually, That's dangerous, too. She's usually agitated and kind of up and, yeah. you know, having some hallucinations. So when I sat down on the bed next to her and I just started knocking the edges off, all of a sudden... Calm down. She right. calmed down. And she leaned on my back and kind of started to nap. And I'm like, yeah. this, this is why I do. This what is I why do. I do what I do. So she can have this moment of peace where she can just rest. Right. Because in that dying process, that takes so much out of a body. Right. Like people don't think about that, you know, dying is draining the body of its energy and everything. For months. For people yeah. who are on service yeah. for months. Yeah. months. They're about, you know, you have to be mindful that they're like, oh, the person's mean. You know, you get, and I'm like, no, they're not right. mean. You have to put yourself in their <laughs> shoes. I, I, And I just think the golden rule applies if you, for everything. If mm-hmm. you treat people like you want to be treated, it'll all be fine. Put yourself in that person's mm-hmm. shoes. They're afraid. Right. You know, afraid of the unknown. Like, you know, most people are. They're like, right. I don't know. Yeah. What's on the, I don't know what's on the other side, what's going to happen next week, next year, in the next hour. I don't yeah, know. Right. Even if your faith is strong, you still have questions because oh, yeah. those moments up until you have passed, you still don't know. And then the, cultural, your awareness? the, and cultural, then the cultural side, side of, of it, it, where people have been taught not to express pain. Right. But you're sitting there looking and you're saying, Miss so and so, are you in pain? And they're saying, mm-hmm. Well, especially with us women, we are taught to suck it up. You and better keep be, on suck going. it up, bust yeah. up. You mm-hmm. better be strong and yeah. just push through it. 
but you're sitting there assessing yeah. the patient. Are you in pain? Are you uncomfortable? And they're like this. No. They're shaking. No. They can barely talk, and you're like, it's okay to express, but it takes time to break through those barriers to get them where they need to be. But women, yeah, it is like kind of have a special tip. heart for. Yeah, it's like women. pulling teeth. Oh, I I've been through surgery. <laughs> yeah, I I I am a take care of myself. Don't ask anybody to do anything because I got it. Because I take care of me and I am everybody. Woman here, That's it. Yep. <laughs> and and my surgery, I had it in in 2021, the original one. So because I crushed my heel because I wasn't watching when I went downstairs. Mm. So they basically all last year I was basically walking on uh, with two metal plates and 14 screws one of those metal plates had notched itself into my leg bone so basically I had a broken leg all last year and oh. I was still walking and would not let anybody do anything for me if I could help it and apologize so in January they went in and took all that metal out and fixed all that stuff and did it and this this week last week I got good shoes now I'm actually walking shoes. but I remember um, Amy said something about well we're not doing like we did and I was like it's because I'm trying to wait until I can pull my own weight <laughs> and and do things and and do my part of it yeah. and and it's like my daughter and I were talking last night and I'm like I I was not letting anybody touch my feet but I'm so looking forward to a pedicure. A pedicure. That's my other oh, self care thing right. for me. If mm -hmm. I can just get me a pedicure every two weeks, yeah. yeah, or once every three weeks, then I am golden. Then I am yeah. in the right mm -hmm. frame just for having that little bit of 45 minute time I'm yeah like, i'm ready to go yep. again that's yeah. it yeah. all right ladies it has been great hey, sitting here talking you. with you guys yeah. we have gone the whole 60 minutes Woo! so we are good you know Damn. we are women here i swore yeah. yeah um it it is basically we need to take care of ourselves so that we can take care of others but when you go into hospice there's more education people need to learn more yeah. about what yeah. hospice is Definitely. and it's basically giving you a team to help you when you are at a certain point in life not two weeks from dying but you are where you could use some extra support and help in life Perfect. Absolutely. Yeah. love it thank and, you for having us well yeah, i am you. very happy to have you and i know you're going to be doing things with christine them so i'm sure we're going to have Absolutely. you back on yes. Um, I'm going to put the contact numbers and everything for these cool. ladies on there. And if you need, if you would like to volunteer, they would love to have you. And we can always hook you up through here because we love to find people that want to do something. I really believe that when we volunteer, that helps bring us out of ourselves, Absolutely. which a lot of the ladies we encounter yeah. need to do. So it's good to have another outlet to send them where I would trust. So thank you thank so you. much thank for coming you. in. Appreciate it. Hi, I'm Holly Reese. I'm the founder of Warrior Defenders. I'm a certified tactical self-defense instructor, and I specialize in women's self-defense. I teach technical drills for survival skills and education on self-defense tools and how to use them. My journey started in self-defense because I'm a domestic violence survivor. I'm here to empower women, to teach them how to be their own heroes, and to learn today to have a safer tomorrow. Moving is a big decision. Selling or buying a home in any market, but especially today's, can raise a lot of questions. Hi, I'm Amy with Killingsworth Realty. My husband Todd and I serve the Coweta and local area. Our purpose at our first meeting is to learn your goals, answer questions, and provide resources so that you can make the best decision for you and your family. Find us online at killingsworthrealty.com or call 678-525-0047 to schedule a free consultation today to discuss your real estate needs. You don't have to do this alone. Hello. I'm Pina Payne with Contour Mortgage and we're so excited we have just moved to this new company and we are located at 560 Noonan Crossing Bypass in Noonan next to Art and Jake's and we have some great products. Our interest rates are better than any other companies and we also have some great products with the, for the VA. Um, we can do a better deal for you with fees than any other company. We have a lot of different kind of programs. Shopping for insurance doesn't have to be stressful. I'm Christy, owner of Ellsworth Insurance, located here in Newton, Georgia. We're an independent agency with access to multiple carriers for home, auto, life, health, and commercial insurance. We're your one-stop shop for your insurance needs. Visit our website at www.insurewithellsworth.com 
or call the office at 770-755-7053 to schedule an appointment. We look forward to meeting you soon. This is Margie from Connecting Hearts Network. I'd like you to take just a moment and listen to Linda Kirkpatrick explain to you what Family Patterns Matters is all about. Family Patterns Matter works with youth and their families to help overcome barriers that prevent their success. We meet twice a month with mentoring, tutoring, teaching life skills, resilience, gratitude, and kindness. We also bring music and art therapy. Please visit our website at www.familypatternsmatter.org. Thanks for tuning in to Connecting Hearts, Connecting Hearts of Women to Resources, Information, and to One Another. Presented by Creative Heart Studios, 18 Perry Street, here in Noonan, 404-528-8461. Until next time, have a wonderful day.